G'day everyone, welcome to another week, another late week. I was going to do this yesterday, like here's the way my afternoon went. I was like, okay, I'm going to have one last swim and then I'm going to go and I'm going to get a beer and I'm going to come up here and I'm going to do this. And I was standing by the pool and my neighbour, this is Aussie lifestyle, Gold Coast Aussie lifestyle, neighbour over the canal is like, hey, it's sunny over this side because the sun sets over this side, like we get the morning sun, not the afternoon. Sunny over this side and I've got a new boat. Do you want to come and sit on the boat and drink beer? Anyway, that's why I didn't do it yesterday. Because <laughs> that, that did turn into more than one beer. Tough life, tough life. Good everyone who's joining. Stuart, good day, Mike. Yes, it is morning for me here. Uh, Mike says, nice to be able to get along at an hour I can make. Hope you're good and warm. I'm, I'm warm, mate. Don't worry about that. It is outside. It's 21C at the moment. Now, 21C doesn't sound like a lot, not to me anyway, but it's like right in the glaring sun. And because it's now 6.23 in the morning, <laughs> the sun is well and truly up, and I was just getting blasted out there, especially with the black T-shirts. So I was like, no, come inside, do this, get this done, get out, go for a nice walk. I just tweeted a little video out in the backyard with the birds and the sun, and there's just like not a cloud anywhere. It's beautiful. I tweeted another one yesterday of like Charlotte laying in it. We got a, we redid a fountain thing. I'm going to share photos of all this later on, like proper photos, laying in like a fountain that's got some chairs in it. So we had... We had a lot of leaks. <laughs> As part of repairing the leaks, one of the things we had to do is like rip this old sort of pond fountain out. And we're, we're ripping this thing out, trying to fix all the leaks. And we're like, what are we going to put back there? You know, like what was there before was pretty boring. And the, uh, the plumber says, you know what you should do? You should put chairs in there, like partially submerged chairs. And then when it's a nice sunny day, you can sit there and drink beer. I was like, that sounds good. <laughs> sounds really good. Let's do that. So anyway, that's the photo from yesterday, and it is really good. Moving on. Sponsor this week, 1Password, who needs no introduction. I think I mentioned last week we, uh, we are following up on Where is the Hello CISO series. Only episode one of Hello CISO series has come out. I have recorded and sent a double-digit number of episodes, so there are a lot of other episodes coming I'm hoping they get out there soon. I'm actually still looking for an answer as to when they will actually be out there, but certainly we've recorded them all, uh, and they uh, they are being edited and will be up hopefully very soon. Uh, so that's that's good news. Look out for that. What else in one password? Uh, get a password manager in case there's not this discussion. I'm going to talk about uh, actually uh, an in-person talk I did yesterday, which is really, really bizarre. But one of the questions that came up there was around password managers and, and enterprise and I said, look, one of the things I think is really cool, and this is where I feel 1Password does differentiate themselves a little bit, is uh, I like that they take a view that people's security posture is something that they take with them to and from the workplace. So what I mean by that is that if you choose shit passwords at home, you're going to do the same at work and vice versa. But if you are given the tooling to choose good passwords and create good security practices... At home, you will also bring that to work. Ergo, it is in the best interest of an organization to help people improve their security posture at home. Therefore, when you buy the enterprise version of 1Password, you also get the family version, not just for you, but for your whole family. Because if you can go home and you can get everybody using good password practices, then they will change as a person and they'll bring those good practices into the workplace. And I just think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, and I also like it because it's a little bit anti-establishment. 
insofar as when I think back to my days in corporate, it was always like there is the workplace and there is the home and these two things never shall meet and there is no intermingling of any kind. And it's not like you're sharing a keychain or anything, but it just just seemed to fundamentally miss the fact that you're still the same human <laughs> with the same behaviors going backwards and forwards. So anyway, I just think as, as a practice, like getting people to have good security posture at home makes them better in the workplace as well. Stuart says, when are Netflix picking it up? Picking what up? <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, Ali says, uh, I hope I have not missed the ubiquity controversy. Oh, we're going to talk about that, mate. No, you have not missed it. That is definitely on the list. Now, also on the list, before I get there, for those watching this, as opposed to just listening to it later on, you'll see my lighting is different. Now, I've shared some photos of this uh, on the Twitters during the week, but I got two Elgato key lights. Now, one observant person said, didn't you already have Elgato key lights? Uh, no, Charlotte already had Elgato key lights. And she has the little square ones, which are probably, let's call them like 200 mil square. Uh, she has those. They're on stands. They're on her desk. You can turn them on, obviously. Lighting's good. I got the bigger suckers. And these are, they're, they're like a panel. They're probably, I was going to guess at how big they were but i haven't have a ruler here on my desk because i'm like literally well it's, it's a spirit level i'm literally trying to get all my monitors and things right so they are uh let me see with this one uh about 300 mil by about 200 mil so they're, they're, they're larger and you can adjust both warmth and brightness and for those who are wondering what it was like before because i can tie my elgato key lights into my elgato stream deck and i'm speaking to you through an elgato cam link just or Elgatoing out, and I'll talk about my Elgato mounts in a moment. Incidentally, I buy all these retail; they don't give me anything. This is not like an Elgato pitch. I just like what they do. Uh, also, the Elgato key lights do integrate with Home Assistant. But anyway, because I've integrated with the Stream Deck, I can go over here, and if I press a button, I will lose the light from the Elgato key lights. And if I turn on the old light that I have on my desk, so this is how different it is. This is what it used to look like. Turn that off, turn that on. This is what it looks like now. It's cool, eh? So I'm still tweaking this a little bit. I've got this light to my left brighter than the light on my right because you want to apparently have a little bit of depth so you don't just look like you've got a flat set of light across your face. I shall keep working on that. They are sitting on the stands that, I, uh, that came with the lights at the moment. So the stands bolt onto the desk. However... I bought two mounts, so two of these wall mounts, and you can see they just take screws in the end, and I literally on my desk have a handful of screws and drill bits and things, and the plan today is now that I believe I have certainly this one in the right position, that one's got to go across a little bit, uh, now that I believe they're in the right position, I'm going to screw this onto the wall, and for those of you that have been <laughs> watching the progress of my wall, it is a great big piece of plywood at the moment. Uh, and after I finish attaching all the things, that's when the acoustic material will go on. So a little sample of the acoustic material here. I've spoken about this before, shared some pictures during the week. But basically, this dark grey one is going to be, uh, I think it's about a 10 mil backing. And then this light grey one is going to sit on top of it and they'll have like key lines out of it which just shows a little bit of the dark grey through and it looks like lines sort of converging like lasers or something. It'll look really cool. I've got a, a picture 
of uh, the same design done somewhere else in some cool looking place. And that'll be all over the wall, all over the ceiling and all over sort of the nook near the door there. So looking forward to that. Um, as part of getting these key lights bolted to the wall, I'm also running all the cabling back through some, it's not even conduit, they're like, there's a brush plate behind this big monitor and then there's a brush plate down the bottom of the wall and I'm just feeding cables through. So the cool thing is that when I look at it and I've got monitor, 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 camera, light, light, there are no cables anywhere. The cables just disappear behind the monitor down the wall and back out. So looks pretty neat. Now, what else this week? Um, good news, I <laughs> finally managed to get Windows 11 installed on my laptop. And it only took like two months too. So the reason why it was so painful is that I went... <laughs> My experiences with Windows 11 so far have been three out of four good <laughs> because Charlotte's laptop, Ari's laptop, Elle's laptop, every other laptop in the house, no problems. It's like run the Windows 11 install assistant, uh, wait, downloads a lot of data and it updates, no problems. My laptop over there, my Lenovo P1, it would exit with a hexadecimal error code, which is just all kinds of awful user experience. And because I'm stubborn, I'll just keep trying it again and again. Not just over and over on the same day, but I'll come back the next day or a few days later because I'm like, maybe something's changed. Maybe it will work. I tried downloading the entire ISO and installing from that. That bombed as well. So I was literally thinking, if I want to go Windows 11, I'm going to have to just repave the entire machine. And then I took some updates while we were away during the week. We had a couple of nights away. And for some reason, I had time. <laughs> but I was looking at Windows Update, take the updates, it was a cumulative update, took that, ran the Windows 11 Assistant again, and it worked. So I don't know what caused that. It was a woeful, woeful user experience. And I don't know why Microsoft can't at least just say there's an error with the driver or something like that rather than hexadecimal error codes. So that one's now done, which means the only machine left in the house that's Windows 10 is the one in front of me now, which is like my primary, primary workhorse that I'm going to wait until I get a little bit closer to Christmas to update. And then if if it all goes to hell, it's like, well, I don't have as much work on now anyway. Xenix says, updating Windows is sketchy. Sometimes existing programs break the OS after an upgrade. Good luck fixing that when the OS crashes. It's, it's not like updating iOS, is it? You know, like, I can't remember the last time I did an iOS update and had any problems whatsoever. To the extent now, every time there's an update, I'm like, yeah, I'll just take it because the chances of anything going wrong are really low. But having said that, for the, the now four machines in the house that have been updated, uh, no problems with any compatibility stuff at the moment. The only problem I had was like I updated it and then, the so this was two days ago, and then yesterday I went to do an in-person talk and I fired up, it's like, where do I find the Wi-Fi settings? Like things have moved and of course it's easy to find. It's just like it's in a slightly different position. So that's the only problem I've had. Actually, I'll talk about that, the uh, the in-person one. So I, I did the first in-person proper talk that I have done since Feb last year, which was super, super weird. And when I say proper talk, I did do an AMA at OzCert here on the Gold Coast. When was that? April, May, something like that. So it was on stage, but it wasn't like presenting as normal. 
But yeah, like it was the first time, and, and this was for um, this was part of a, an Australian Cybersecurity Centre initiative that involved a bunch of local councils from this state, which is pretty much what we're restricted to at the moment. So our ACSC is, is the equivalent of the NCSC in the UK for the folks over there. Uh, good people doing good stuff, and I got to drive about fifteen minutes, probably not even that, ten minutes <laughs> that way over to our art centre on the Gold Coast and present. It was cool. And it was a little bit weird for a moment. And I guess the only problem I had is like, I was literally like, I've got to check the battery in my little clicker works. Battery's okay. I forgot my bag of dongles. I normally have like a bag of dongles because when I used to travel so much, it'd be like, I never know what's going to be at the place in terms of AV cables. So I have a bag of dongles and I get there and it's like, okay, so where's my HDMI to USB-C dongle? left the bag behind so that was a bit weird but other than that it went well and it was nice like i managed to give out a whole bunch of have i been paying stickers and 3d printed logos and talk for an hour and answer people's questions and see real humans and it's it's not like i haven't been doing talks i think i've done more talks since february last year than what i did in the two years before that but they've been here <laughs> like online looking at the camera and it is different to be in person it's very very different now, of course, whilst I was doing that, NDC in Oslo, my, I guess my life-changing event, given it was both the start of my career and introduced me to the person I'm going to marry, so yeah, it's kind of important, uh, that was running in Oslo. Now, normally NDC would always run in Oslo in June because of COVID. It got pushed. Last year got cancelled. This year got pushed. They've run it this week. Scott's done a, a workshop for a couple of days. Fine. Day one opening keynote, fine. They've gotten to the party and apparently they got like one hour into the party and then Jacob had to say, all right, everyone's got to go home because Norway's suddenly had a whole bunch of additional restrictions put in place because of Omicron. And then it sounds like what they've had to do is because there's been a maximum of like 200 people that are allowed in a the venue. They've had to say for the remaining time of the conference, like there's there's a lottery uh, and you're, if your name is drawn out, you can come. And if it's not, you can watch it online, which just would have been, it just would have been all sorts of shit for everyone involved, for the organisers, because they've tried so hard to try and get this event back online in conditions that all of us know are enormously difficult, for the for the individuals, because they've paid good money to be there, all their bosses have paid good money for them to be there. And then they're getting told, you know, for a, I guess a significant portion of them, because there's well over a thousand people there, you've just got to like sit in your hotel room and, and watch it online. So that's that's kind of miserable. I got invited to an event in Europe in May, uh, and this invite came in during the week. This is an, an event I haven't spoken at before, but has asked me each year to come and speak. There's always been reasons it hasn't worked. And this time, like, you know, come, come, to, come to this part of Europe. I won't say which one it is. In, uh, in May, and this was before... NDC had the, the pin pulled on it and I sort of went look I just uh, we don't expect to have normal travel in and out of Australia until the second half of 2022 and now with Omicron as well it's even more or less predictable but imagine like it's one thing for Scott to go to NDC from Manchester you know like a literally a direct flight when there's direct flights I think he's got to hop through somewhere else at the moment uh, and it's two hours and it's a yeah you know, a couple of hours or one hour off time set and, and that's it but imagine if i come from here from the other side of the world with an expensive airline ticket and i'm jet lagged and there's two flights and then you get there and something goes wrong 
So there's no way in the world I'm traveling anywhere for events for until I'm really, really confident that it's good. And even then, look at the video I just took this morning from outside. It's nice here. I'm happy you're sticking around here. I really, really do not have the desire to fly to the other side of the world anymore. All right, what else is in here? Um, Jono enjoys all the new sounds, much more pleasurable on the ear. This is the new Windows 11 sounds. Uh, Zenix reckons uh, 7 to 8, 8, 7 to 8 slash 10 or 8 to 10. <laughs> it was way worse though. You need to do a fresh install. Otherwise, some stuff would be balked or missing. It's always that, that kind of tossing it up, isn't it? It's, it's like if I could do a fresh install and it will feel clean and I know there's no legacy from before. But how much time am I going to burn setting everything up again? Like I'm, I run SQL Server Developer. I've got IIS on there. I've got virtual machines. I've got all my settings and all my icons in the place so I like them. And, you know, this is not like updating an iPhone where it's like I can get an entirely new physical device and after it restores it looks just like the old one and you've just got to re-log into a few things. Yeah, it, is, it is a long, hard slog to get everything back the way I like it. So I'm almost sort of the view that until I replace the machine, and this one, how old is this one? This one must be three years. So until I replace the machine, I think I'll just stick with everything uh, via in-place upgrades, so long as they work and don't break stuff. Uh, and Zenix says, sometimes you just need to talk, talk yourself out loud in front of people. Yeah, this is sort of the having done this talk this week. It was nice. Now, other things in terms of actually connecting with people. So I'm still running this Pwnedmas competition. Now, the Pwnedmas competition was an idea where I went, uh, because I don't get to see people anymore and hand out stickers and <laughs> 3D printed logos and things, every day I will send one to someone. Or at least I'll, every day I'll draw someone's name out of the barrel, so to speak, and then you know, every week I'll just go and yeah, post them all off. So uh, everyone who goes to book.troyhunt.com and registers and, and gets the free preview of my book, which is still in the works, they go into the draw and then every day we just like draw some rando out of that list uh, and send them stickers and 3D printed logo. Uh, and then as part of redoing my office, these white shelves behind me are going to go and there's just going to be like one thin black shelf in there, which means there's a whole bunch of crap on the shelves I had to get rid of. Now, if I just swing a little bit aside, we can see that there are some books remaining here. There were lots of books. And, and they were good books, right? Like lots of techni technical books, some of them code-level books, some of them uh, uh, industry stories, uh, some of them novels. Uh, Mark Rosinovich's Zero Day, for example, is, is, is a novel, uh, but it's InfoSec-related. And I was kind of trying to think about, like, what do I do with them? Because, frankly, I don't read many books these days. And everything there I've either read or won't read. So what do I do with them? So I went, all right, well, every time I pick someone for Pwnedmas, I will let them choose two books. Uh, because there were a total of 42 books, just coincidentally, 42 books. And that way I can get rid of them all before Christmas when my Pwnedmas things runs. So everyone who's winning is, is choosing two books. Uh, and yesterday I sent off 10 packs. I may not have realized when I had this idea how expensive it is <laughs> to send books. <laughs> 
So I think the, the postage bill yesterday was about $450 to send off 10 packs of books. And I just remember seeing them scan it and like one pack was like $60 or something. I'm like, I probably could have bought this for the person off Amazon <laughs> for like $30, but then they wouldn't have got the stickers and the 3D printed logo. I'm sure it's tax deductible. I'll, I'll put it under, have a big bone or something like that, but... Uh, yeah, so maybe I didn't think that through too well. But on the other hand, I do like the idea of actually being able to recycle something and people get to use it. And I, I hope that people find it cool. Charlotte decided that the best way to package these up was to wrap them like presents and then put a bow on them. So there's going to be all these people around the world now who like get this, I guess, a Christmas present from me wrapped up with books I've read and stickers and 3D print logo. Uh, and that's worth some money. I think that's worth the postage. Crumb says, are you shipping is so expensive? Yep. Yeah, well, I know that now. But the problem is, is that I normally don't send anything via the physical post. And I didn't realize <laughs> when I had this idea how expensive it would be. Then mm. says, the weight makes it so postage classified as size XL. Or I don't even know what it was. It just, it just got really bloody expensive. And only, I think, two of the packages were going to Australia and the rest were going to... Uh, Italy, Canada, US, uh, Ireland, uh, Italy, just all over the place. Okay, so that's Pinemus. It's still running. I am starting to run out of books, which is great. I don't know how many I've got left. I've probably got a dozen and a bit left. Let's call it a dozen and a bit. So they still need to go out to new people. Let's talk about ubiquity. <laughs> I know there's some interest in this now this is i find this is just a fascinating story so ubiquity was in the news earlier this year and i'm going to try and choose my words carefully to, to get this stuff right so they were in the news earlier this year for uh that the headline spoke about a data breach and data breaches are, are never a good look but particularly not when you're a company that makes the networking equipment that sits inside many businesses and many homes, including mine. And I have a great affinity for, uh, for Ubiquity. I have been using their products for probably about five years. I went and spent, I still remember, it was, it was over $2,000 like buying Ubiquity gear to put around this largish house and try and cover all of the dead spots. And I just loved it so much. I wrote about it and went, this is super, super cool. Here's what it is. And ever since then, they have sent me a lot of gear. And I've always been public and transparent so i've got a lot of stuff in this house which they, i don't think any of the original stuff well, actually some of the original stuff i bought would be in here some of the access points but you know they've sent me things like a dream machine pro and the unify protect cameras and things my doorbell <laughs> is ubiquity they sent that to me uh i've set up my parents i've set up family members up friends with ubiquity gear and amplify gear like I, I actually really really genuinely like the gear now then we get to the start of this year. And they've had a data breach. And then the, the thing that really, I think, uh, inflamed the situation, <laughs> choose my words carefully, is, uh, is Krebs wrote a piece in March, March 30. And the title of this is Whistleblower, Ubiquity Breach Catastrophic. And in here, it, it sort of talks about how someone within Ubiquity an insider who was on the incident response team uh, said, look, it is catastrophic. There's much more damage to customers than what is known. Um, there is no logging, so we can't sort of reproduce what has actually happened. 
and it just it just read like an absolute incidentally i'm going to say what it actually read like if the little ears in the car now's the good time to turn it off because not only am i going to talk about this but the next thing i'm going to talk about you definitely don't want your kids listening to absolute clusterfuck so (laughs) it was a real mess and then we're looking at things. I'm just looking at some of Krebs bits here. The intruders responded by sending a message saying they wanted 50 Bitcoin, about 2.8 million USD, in exchange for a promise to remain quiet about the breach. So they're getting ransomed as well, which is the the way things tend to happen these days. You get ransomed for Bitcoin. Uh, Ubiquity did not engage with the hackers. Adam, so Adam was the pseudonym of this person speaking to Krebs, allegedly an insider in the company. Adam said, ultimately, the incident response team found the second back door the extortionists had left in the system. Because there's always talk about back doors. It left in the system. The company would spend the next few days furiously rotating credentials for all employees for Ubiquity started alerting customers about the need to reset their passwords because this, of course, was the communication that went out to everyone. Me too. Now, getting to the point. At the time, I was critical of Ubiquity's communication. Uh, and I I've put out many tweets and I spoke on this, what is this, live stream, whatever it is, <laughs> on this thing and said, look, I think they, they need to do a much better job. I love the product, but I don't feel that they're handling this incident well enough. And then we saw stories like this and there just wasn't enough direct addressing of the claims that were made. And then we fast forward to this week. Bleeping Computer was the first story I saw on this. Here's the headline. Former Ubiquity dev charged for trying to extort his employer. Nicholas Sharp, a former employee of the networking device maker Ubiquity, was arrested and charged today with data theft and attempting to extort his employer while posing as a whistleblower and an anonymous hacker. This does change things somewhat. It changes it in many ways, actually. So first of all, in terms of any breach, when someone is already inside the organization, like this wasn't some external party exploiting a vulnerability in the software that either the ubiquity devices or, or infrastructure runs. This was someone in a privileged position. And it sounds like he had a, a senior enough position in the InfoSec team, uh, and he had a lot of control over the environment. So privileged position, privileged access, insider, And then it sounds like he was on the incident response team responding to the extortionist that was actually him. So he's trying to shake Ubiquity down for like $2.8 million worth of Bitcoin whilst being, it's almost like he's in there talking to himself in a strangely bipolar kind of fashion. Now, that would mean that he would have had enough internal knowledge to be able to feed that information through to Krebs. He managed to get exposure from the Krebs story that made Ubiquity look frankly pretty bad in their communication uh and now he's going to go to jail for a long time because he's facing like 37 years worth of charges on multiple uh multiple different charges which uh which is not going to look good for the guy really and i mean what's kind of interesting about this is it looks like he was cloning a whole bunch of github repositories over ssh from home using surfshark vpn and at one point the vpn connection has dropped and exposed his actual IP address. And it also seems like he has a PayPal history of having paid for Surfshark VPN. So you, you kind of look at it and go, well, how smart was he? You know, like, okay, don't go and do this. But if you were going to extort your company and you were going to like SSH in and start pulling out anything, whether it be GitHub repositories or data or 
like why would you do it from home from your own machine such that if like one vpn drops and you're exposed why would you use a vpn service that you've paid for with a paypal account which is directly traceable back to you like it just it just reads like maybe he thought he was a little bit too smart but in actual fact wasn't now incidentally there was a serious impact on ubiquity share price too ubiquity stock price fell by roughly 20 percent which is billions of dollars sharp subsequently subsequently re-victimized his employer by causing the publication of misleading news articles about the company's handling of the breach that he perpetrated, which were followed by a significant drop in the company's share price associated with the loss of billions of dollars in the market capitalization, said the DOJ. Holy shit, that is just, it is a a real mess. Now, somewhere within here, I've I've made a little bit of a point here as well, that when the Krebs story came out, I, I said... I think I've actually got this here in the tweet thread. So someone has pointed me at this and they've said, um, March 21, Delumini on Twitter. This is just a massive hack that's not getting much attention. Ubiquity controls 85 million devices <clears throat> and the hacker got admin control of everything, a massive breach. I'm particularly surprised that neither Scott Helm or Troy Hunt, that's me, have said a word about it that I'm aware of. Both are heavyweights in the security industry and are serious ubiquity users with large networks based on the platform. Correction, Troy tweeted about it four hours ago. Why did you... You can't edit a tweet, so why, did, why didn't you just not tweet that in the first place? So yes, I had been tweeting about it. And, I, and in fact, I first explicitly said, I don't think that they're handling it well. I offered my... Our services sounds a bit weird. I offered to lend a voice <laughs> to communication of a of a more appropriate nature to ubiquity. They didn't take it up. But you see, now you can start to understand, right? Like I can see, it seems like they knew in March, in fact, it sounds like they knew a week before the Krebs piece that it was an insider, that it was this guy. And you can imagine how that might shape their communication if they believe that someone internal on their incident response team is actually the perpetrator of this. So anyway... This, uh, this guy's gone on, Delumini. Delumini? <laughs> Actually, yeah, here's my response, because literally the, the person's made the false claim and then in the same tweet corrected it. I said, impressed you still tweeted this, even after realizing before the end of the tweet that the start, start of the tweet was completely wrong. Delumini says, took me a bit to decipher what you were saying. <laughs> but yeah, I could have worded things a bit more effectively. Give you that. But you haven't really focused much on the gravity of the UI breach and you run a breach tracking website. I am confused by that. Respectfully, sir. So anyway, here's my response. And this, I think this is actually aged well. I've said, we don't know the gravity of the breach. That's the problem. We've got an unverified statement by an anonymous source and a vacuum of information from Ubiquity. They need to fix the latter and address the former, and until then, we're all speculating. And, and this ultimately was what, what happened. We had an unverified source who did obviously turn out to be an insider, but was pulling the wool over Krebs's eyes. And we didn't have statements from Ubiquity. And now that everything has actually come out and we know what has happened, it is clearly a very, very different story to what was represented back in March. Now, on that, was there anything else in this thread? And then I'm going to read the comments. Uh, let me just see what was else in here. Uh, Catalan's done a, a good write-up on this as well. Um, I've sort of made the point here. It, it reminds me of this old saying about defenders need to get it right all the time and attackers only need to succeed once. 
But in this case, the attacker also <laughs> has to get their offset right every time and they only need to screw it up once and they've got a problem. All right, on the comments. Let's have a look here. Xenix says, uh, sorry for off topic, but there are many brands that could replace Ubiquiti for home use. I personally think the UI stuff is overkill for a small home setup. The thing about the UI stuff is that within the Ubiquiti suite, there is the Unify stuff, and that's like compose it with all the different access points. We used to have cloud keys. Now we tend to use these um, uh, uh, dream machines. And then you can have your own sort of switches and repeaters and whatever else. But then there is the Amplify range, which is for what you talk about. So mum and dad have Amplify in their home. It is a little cube. It's probably 150 mil cubed uh, that sits on their desk. It has uh, four Ethernet ports if they want to use it like a switch. And it has two repeaters that they just plug in different parts of the house. That's the one that you're after if you think Unify is overkill. The other one they do, which is extremely good in this area, and I put this in a neighbor's house down here, uh, is the Amplify Alien. So Amplify Alien is Wi-Fi 6. It looks super cool because it's all like black with green lights and it's got a really, really cool, very vertical LED screen with a whole bunch of stats and information. Uh, and it is definitely premium networking equipment, even the stuff designed for home, but it's a little bit of kind of getting what you pay for. And every time I've put this in a home anywhere, it's just been awesome. I put a unified dream machine in, in another mate's house probably, what, about a year ago, I think now. Uh, and that also has one of the little uh, Flex HD units. It almost looks like a thin Coke can, and you can sit that anywhere and extend your range. And all of this stuff is much more consumer-orientated. Now, of course, there's like the Mirakai's of the world and things like this as well. Ubiquity does seem to get a lot of love because it's a good product. And Stefan's just chimed in and said Amplify is their consumer stuff. Yep, so thank you, Stefan, for clarifying that. Um, single Dream Machine, the base non-rack version, is also really good for small home. That's, yeah, I just said that. That's good. Mind you, you said this before I said that, so I think you win this one. Uh, ubiquity. Stefan says, the Ubiquity Breach shows you just how dangerous a malicious internal actor is. Really hard to defend against. And I think this is, this is a really interesting thought experiment, which is... What could Ubiquity have done differently and what risk would you have in your organization if someone in there is rogue? And it's it's a hard problem, but I would imagine there are many things that Ubiquity is going to do differently now. I mean, the fact that this guy was able to turn off logging independently without anyone else noticing, for example, seems to be a problem. Uh, the ability for him to independently pull down code remotely with no one... I don't think anyone noticed at the time until after it had happened. Um, what's kind of interesting is that this bloke, Nick Sharp, uh, he's got a LinkedIn profile. Uh, Catalan has linked through to it in his story, so it's easy to find him. And you go back and you're reading like the, uh, the endorsements from people. It's like, oh, super honest guy, really good at what he does. Like, eh. So, you know, like even in your, your recruiting process, you can't go, well, I'm just going to hire people that have good LinkedIn endorsements. The guy still could be a malicious actor. And you, you just won't know about it until it maybe happens later on. Other comments. Crime, out of curiosity, if you're at a company, that stupidity pays a ransom and doesn't publicize the breach. As an employee, is there anything you should do? That's, that, that, that's tricky. It's like, do you go whistleblower then if the company pays a ransom? Uh, I think that that is a 
that is a very case-by-case decision. If it was me at Pfizer and they had to pay to ransom and covered it up, because they're in a heavily regulated industry, I think that might have been something I might have passed on <laughs> to authorities if, if necessary. Um, uh, incidentally, if ever anyone sees that and they do want to get an airtime, I know lots of reporters that would love to cover this sort of stuff. But I, I think you've got to sort of make that case by case. I mean, I, I have witnessed firsthand as a, as a dentist surgery that I was attending was just realising that they'd been ransomed. Um, they're a small practice, but they, so then again, they're in the healthcare sector again. They're a small practice, so would they have needed to disclose it? I guess it might be a question of if they were worried about there being any impact on privacy or disclosure, or, or was it just an attack against availability? All their things got encrypted. Very tricky one. Possibly a career-limiting move, as they say. Stefan says, maybe having internal alerting notifications on any changes made to auditing access could work with more zero-trust actions. And, of course, we're sort of moving towards this whole idea of, of trying to be like zero-trust, trying to expect that everything around you might be malicious, whether they be machines or humans. And I think there's a good example of that. One of the things that, that struck me with this is that very often people will say, that company over there had a data breach. I'm not trusting them anymore. I am going to use competitor company over there that hasn't had a data breach. And I'll sort of go, which one do you think is going to put the most focus on security now? The ones that have had their asses handed to them and they've had to recover from that and put in controls to make sure it doesn't happen again, or the ones who have not gone through that experience and so far might have just been a bit lucky. So I think in the ubiquity case, even before this news, this experience would have led to positive changes. And I think particularly now that we know what's actually happened and the fact that they do need to be more resilient, obviously, to a malicious insider, I think the answer is the same for ubiquity as it is for all the other companies that have had a data breach. This does improve processes. What else in here? Stuart says... uh, Really hard to see the wood through the trees when media are reporting it. Incidentally, all of the uh, the DOJ material that was released charging this guy, none of it names ubiquity. Now, everyone's figured it out because it's like, so there was a very large manufacturer of uh, networking equipment who had an alleged breach earlier this year uh, and then an alleged whistleblower did a story on it. Uh, we're not going to say who it is. But notice that Ubiquity hasn't put out a state, certainly hadn't yesterday put out a statement about this. So, I mean, it's kind of like the worst kept secret, right? But I'm sure they'll put something out shortly. Okay, let's hear in the comments. Xenix says, uh, thanks for suggesting. I'll keep the UDM in mind, but we'll be on the lookout for something cheaper. Look, if you want something cheaper and you want Ubiquity, the Amplify is going to be your absolute entry level uh, and if you search for Troy Hunt parents dodgy Wi-Fi <laughs> you'll find that story there because I wrote it up that's that's good entry level anything cheaper than that you're going to go to another product Stuart says hard for it to be preventative measures only only real things are monitoring after the fact yeah. it depends <laughs> um, Xenix says, agree, shame of being resolving uh, products result of... Uh, da, 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 da. All right, let me go on to the next thing. This is the one. I, I, I don't know why I thought of this yesterday, but this is the one where, again, the little ears, maybe not appropriate, but I think this is a really interesting discussion. Now, you've been warned. 
I have a commercial subscriber of Have I Been Pwned? And I've written multiple times in the past before about having a small handful like this. Uh, and this subscriber has raised interesting point. In fact, I think it was must have been 2015 I wrote the original blog post. I said, look, there are some commercial use cases that have been pwned, that things like identity theft companies uh, that want to see if their customers have been in data breaches. Now, what this means is, let's say it's the case for an identity theft company, and then have I been pwned says that one of their subscribers is in a breach, and then I put the description of the breach, and then that company has that description, and then they might put it in front of their customers. <laughs> So I get this email, and I'm obviously not going to name which company it's from, but I'm going to read out the bits of the email I can and the description of the breach. So the, the title of this is Explicit Descriptions of Breaches. Hi, Troy. Found some descriptions of breaches via HIBP that we think are a bit too explicit for us to use. And I, I won't go into too much detail here, but... They, he, he goes on, he says, um, they'll need to rewrite some of them, unless, of course, you agree with us that it's a bit gratuitous. Now, I'm going to read the breach description. Been warned. The name of the breach is Rosebud. Breach description is, sometime prior to May 2016, the forum known as Rosebud Board was hacked and 107,000 accounts were exposed. The self-described top one board for anal fisting, prolapse, huge insurgents and rosebutt fans, told you, had email and IP addresses, usernames and weekly stored salted MD5 password hashes hacked from the IP board-based forum. It's not what you expected to hear. <laughs> Sitting at home relaxing. Anyway, so let's try and be adult about this. I remember when the incident happened, it was reaching the news. I, I really got to try and not make jokes on Twitter as I explain this, because clearly this is a sensitive breach. If your data is in there associated with an interest in this site, that is deeply personal information. I'll just read my response, and then we'll go and have a look at some of the some of the coverage of this story. I've said, my view on describing breaches is always to be accurate and complete. Rosebud is what it is. And to the point of notifying victims on the breach, one would assume that in most cases, if someone has an account there, they're beyond needing the nature of the service watered down in the description. Further, clicking through to the linked media piece will present precisely the same terminology I used, which came directly from the service itself. And I, I basically went through and said, look, this I'm going to report it as it is. I'm not going to... You're an adult, you know? Yeah, there's some weird shit on the internet, but like grow up and deal with it. So, when I go to the media piece on this, uh, where are we? We're past all the ubiquity stuff now. So, uh, <laughs> I can't read it without laughing a bit. This is a motherboard story here. The headline is, Another day, another hack. Is your fisting site updating its forum software? Not my title. It's Joe Cox's title. I thought it was funny. Security researcher Troy Hunt says he was provided with over 100,000 accounts for rosebuttboard.com. Now, again, I'm, I'm, it's almost like, yeah, like we've had the little ears in the car discussion, so we'll proceed. It's almost like when uh, someone is quoted in the press somewhere and they've said fuck, but just to make sure, 
<laughs> just to make sure that the press doesn't write fuck, they write F star star K. As if somehow people won't figure it out. Like, a, I just come back to this there, like, are you an adult or not? Like, come on, seriously, like, it, it is what it is. This is the incident. I'm going to describe it correctly. Uh, and if there was a swear word in the title of it, then I would put the swear word in the title of it as well. Like, this is just what it is. I'm going to describe it accurately. And I feel like this propensity to kind of water it down in an effort to not offend the people who, if you're reading this, already have an account there anyway. I don't know. Is it just me? <laughs> so, <laughs> someone here says, interesting first stream to catch. It's not normally like this. Like this. There's normally, uh, normally a lot less discussion of this particular topic here. Uh, Zenix says, censoring swear words on another level. I just feel like, particularly for the data reach stuff, like, why can't we just talk about it as it is? Now, um, as I sort of get to the the end of this live stream, because I, I look at, okay, this is, is a little bit funny. The headlines are a little bit funny. Uh, I'm just going to leave you with a link. Uh, now, if I look for the register, the register had this story, uh, Rosebud data breach. And I... I use this in some presentations and I don't think I can anymore because just that the times have changed. But, uh, oh, do they still have the picture? Uh, let me just go and do an images search. Yeah, here it is. Here it is. So the register, who does have a sense of humor about these things. Oh, why can I now not see the picture? I wonder if my pie hole is blocking this. <laughs> Bad choice of term. Uh, failed to load resource. Let's turn off the pie hole for a second because without the picture, it's just not funny. Someone here says, I don't understand the argument for censoring swear words. Are we expecting children to be, to be perusing the news? You know what I expect children to be perusing? The internet. You know what's on the internet? Swear words and porn. Now, this, I've written many things before about parenting and controls this is not to say like let's just have a free-for-all here don't get me wrong but the expectation oh by the way i updated to uh, one password eight for windows it's really nice which i have to open up in order to log into my pie hole to then turn my pie hole off for a very short period of time to then see if i can load this thing to get the image uh let's go turn it off for 30 seconds can i reload this page do i get the image oh no all i get is ads of course it's the ads that didn't load so instead you know what instead i'm just going to leave it because the sort of thing is going to get me in trouble it's not my story it's the register story but i don't want to get in trouble <laughs> i haven't been in trouble for a while on this actually it's been a nice, nice experience so oh see then stuart's pushed me into it stuart says he's all for a funny image all right, do this. You do a Google Images search. <laughs> Let me just see if I can get the URL for the Google Images search for the story on the register. Does this work? Images. Ah, just drop that into the chat, and then if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Oh, no, it's 245 out of 200 allowable characters in the chat window. So I've got to get the shorter version. Why is there so much crap in the URL of a Google search? What's the SXSRF? Well, 
All right, now it makes sense as I as I say it. Uh, I probably don't need that parameter. How the hell did we end up here? That parameter. All right, let's see if that works. I'm just going to drop in the URL, go to the images. You'll work out what it is. It's not explicit. It's just kind of funny. Drop that in the chat. Enjoy that. I think on that note, I'm going to churn out because I need to go and cool down. But uh, data breaches, explain them as they are. You're just going to have to deal with them. So I'm always going to be direct on have I been pwned. And uh, if, if you don't like it, maybe they do need to rewrite. And actually, on a serious note, I did say to this person, look, there are other data breaches as well where I explain things of a more technical nature. Now, maybe your audience is more consumer and you want to remove the technical bits about the password hashing and the PBKDF2 and all that sort of stuff and actually put it in more consumer-friendly terms. Totally fine. That's up to the consumers of the service. On that note, I'm going to tune out. I hope everyone has a, uh, a great weekend if you're uh, about to begin it, and I'll, I'll come back to you next week. Getting very close to